Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hi, this is KT Thomas at KT's Money Matters. We're here today to talk about how to make the most out of your money and make sure that you get to keep as much of it as you possibly can. 2018 ushered in a whole change to the tax code that affect lots of different consumers. This particular podcast is going to focus on high earners, people that are earning $250,000 a year or more, and how these tax changes might benefit them. So the first thing I'm going to say is those that pay the most under these changes will save the most. And of course they do. Those who pay the least have the least amount of money to get back because they've paid the least amount of taxes in the first place. Earners that are in the highest bracket are also limited by what they can write off due to something called the phase out of the itemized deductions, which means a lot of what they think they might have lost in the changes, say the ability to write off state income tax or real estate tax, might have been dramatically reduced before this bill anyway. So I've asked George Ferullo, a CPA that I've worked with for a long time, to talk with us today about what these changes mean and helping you navigate how you might take advantage or not of some of these items. George, thanks for taking time to join with us today. Oh, thank you, KT. So there were a lot of changes, George, but frame it for me. Will high earners pay less? Well, I've run several scenarios for some high earners, and I've come up with mixed results. As we talked before, okay, this is all on an individual basis. You know, because you have high earners that still have high mortgages, you have some high earners that have no mortgages, okay? So you have to run this on a case-by-case basis. You know, again, what high earner was able to take employee business deductions, they're no longer available. The limitation now with the um, state and local taxes. So there's so many ways. Overall, okay, I will say this, it's edging towards that there is more savings than not. Okay. So when somebody is making, let's say, over $250,000, what kind of a tax rate were they in before? And then what tax rate are they in now? Well, if they're making over the two okay, let me pull out my little charts here. That would help. Basically, if we're going to call that taxable income, because that'll just make it easier for me, as a married couple, they were in these, just into a 33% bracket. As we know, they graduate up. Right now, okay, they're going to be in a 24% bracket. Wow, that's a six percent. That's a big savings. I take it back. That's actually more. Yeah, because I'm I'm checking it right here. Anything over 237,950 on the current law, married joint, that portion over the 237,950 is taxed at 33%. Otherwise, they'll be comfortably in a 24% bracket. Okay, so so here's what we know. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a big percentage. But again, we're going based on taxable income. Now, can taxable income be higher because we don't have the same type of deductions as before? Mm, sure. There's always a catch you in this. So tell me a little bit more about that. Well, again, we, as you know, they've bumped up the standard deduction. So we'll just talk married joint for now. That has gone to $24,000, okay? And let, let's use an example. Let's say we had somebody that had 20000 in state and local taxes. Well, now you reduce the 10, as you know. Let's yes. say the same person had 15000 in mortgage interest. 
Okay, you can still deduct that. I won't bother with contributions. So there's, he can now deduct 25 before he used to be able to deduct 35, okay? In addition, let's call it a family of four. We don't have the exemptions anymore. They're now losing another 16,000 in deduction. So even though they're saving, okay, on the tax rate itself, they've lost the deduction. So what that really means is more of the money they make is going to be subject to whatever that rate is. Right. But the rate itself will be lower. So more taxable income, lower tax rate, still probably equals tax savings. Right. right. But again, not for, not for everybody though, KT, because if somebody didn't have a lot of itemized deductions before that was a high earner, this standard deduction looks good. So maybe the loss of exemptions doesn't hurt them that bad they come out even better. Hmm. So, you know, I heard talk back and forth all fall that part of what they were trying to change was that additional tax on capital gains, but that didn't happen, right? That's still in place? That's still in place. So that 3.8% for um, individuals whose adjusted gross is over 200 or married joint whose adjusted gross is over 250 stayed in place. The capital gain rate itself stayed in place. Another item which they were looking to change, the uh, exclusion on the primary residence, okay? Married joint couples, if they've owned and occupied a primary residence for two years, they can exclude up to 500000 in gain. They were trying to push that up to a five-year holding period, but at the end, it got shot down and, it got, and um, stayed at two. So, so the, the reality is if you're going to sell your home... If you've been there two out of the last five years, you can still exclude that $500,000 worth of gain if you're married and, you, and, and the two of you are married. So that didn't change. But if you go to sell your stock and you used to be in 15%, but now you're paying that extra 3.8, you're still going to well, pay- Well, the 3.8's been there for the last few years. So that's right. still there. That's the healthcare tax, right? Correct. So if you're over that 250 adjusted gross, yes, your capital gain can be subject or a portion of it to that 3.8%. So real, no real changes in tax in capital gains taxes. No. Definitely changes in rates. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the phase out of the itemized deductions because I think this is something people don't really understand how much of what they were, what tax savings they thought they were getting that they really weren't getting after the phase out anyway. Exactly. So they've eliminated the phase out. Matter of fact, I just ran a scenario for one of my clients. Gentleman's making close to five hundred thousand dollars. So he's losing, you know, certain deductions. His his interest was fine on his house. Um, he's losing some of his state and local taxes, but he has the what he's picking up on. He lost eight thousand in total itemized deductions because of the phase out. So he picked that up versus what he lost in state and local taxes. He was just a little bit behind then. He had already lost his exemptions because his income was above the limit. So having no exemptions going forward doesn't phase him. So overall, he should come out better because they've dropped the rates, as we've already discussed. So this next thing that I'm going to talk about, you touched on a little bit, but for people that work and have expenses that are not reimbursed by their employer. This was like a big change for people, right? So especially when you think about the number of people in America that still work for a company, but work from home and, you know, do part of that uh, work-related uh, expenses, they've lost the ability to write all of that off. Isn't that true? 
That's correct. Um, employee um, business expenses fall under miscellaneous itemized deductions, and those have been done away with. So you and I, investment management fees can't be deducted anymore. Tax preparation fees can't That's be deducted right. anymore. So you're right. But this biggest thing, you know, these these outside salespeople who have unreimbursed um, employee expenses, it's going to be interesting to see how these bigger companies handle this. Because what used to be are not a full deduction because miscellaneous itemized deductions were limited to begin with. Mm-hmm. You, you, to 2% of your adjusted gross income, you can only deduct the portion over that. Okay. But now let's go, this will bring us into a little bit of talk about alternative minimum tax. Miscellaneous itemized deductions, along with state and local income taxes, were always a tax preference item to add back for alternative minimum tax. Thus, people who had these high miscellaneous itemized deductions, along with higher state and local taxes, always hit alternative minimum. So even though it looks like they were getting the deduction, they weren't getting the deduction. So really what they did when they increased the alternative minimum tax and then eliminated a bunch of these itemized deductions, really what they did is they said, let's stop playing the stupid math game. Nobody was really paying it anyway. Correct. Now the alt min though, the threshold has been moved up to this million. And what they're looking to do, okay, and again, until I actually run returns, I, you know, I'm not going to comment too, too much on it, is to go after the higher-end taxpayer. So this 37% on this you know, top tax rate may look good, but we may also get bitten by the alternative minimum tax. But we're not talking people in the 250 range. Yeah, and the fact that more of their income is going to be subject to whatever that top rate is. Correct. The theory used to be that we didn't hit the top tax rate payers with all men because they're already paying the top tax rate. But now under these new regulations, these people in that 37% bracket uh, could be subject to alternative minimum tax. And then what would that rate be? Uh, it just depends on the calculation with regard to the addbacks. And, you know, you have to work yourself through the gyration of the math on that uh-huh. one, which again, like I said, I haven't done yet. Right. So basically, people that think they've got a lot of deductions that they've been able to use in the past might find some of those getting sucked right back into this alternative minimum tax calculation anyway. Mm-hmm. So the reality Correct. is people that make a lot of money are still probably going to pay a lot in taxes, but they just might not pay as much. Here's another piece that was of interest, though, too. I know we touched upon the child tax credit the $2,000 that you can get back in your pocket if you have children yes. under 17. Now, yeah. this the limitation on this, okay, in, in 17 and prior, for married joint, your, adju- your adjusted gross was had to be under 160 to get the full credit and it phased out between 160 and 180. That threshold has been moved up to 400,000. So now a lot more people will be eligible right. for this uh, kitty tax deduction, and it's twice as much as it used to be. Correct. Uh, correct. So now more, if you have children under 17 and you're a 250 um, earner, a 250 adjusted gross income, you can now get this and before you wouldn't be able to. Nice. Now there's some other sort of give me and gutches. And I, I was joking with you a little tongue in cheek earlier about uh, alimony rules and why it matters to high earners because they have a higher alimony and divorce rate. They work too much. 
So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about what people need to know about the changes in the alimony rules and when they become effective. Oh, well, being from Massachusetts, okay, where we pretty much have a hard statute, okay, on how alimony is calculated, this can be an issue, you know, unless the legislature here in Massachusetts steps up and does something. Anyhow, the new law begins on 1-1-2019, okay? And the way it reads is that alimony, the payor used to be able to deduct it, as, and the recipient has to pick it up as income. Well, they did away with that. The payor can no longer deduct it starting in 19, and the recipient doesn't have to claim it as income. Wow. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. So it doesn't go back, though, for people that, that had their agreements prior, right? There's some grandfathering of the older ones? Correct. So they, everything's grandfathered up to that point. So it's divorces that take place in 2019 forward. But here's a big issue. And we'll go back to Massachusetts. Typically, the alimony is calculated, I believe it's between 30 and 35% of the difference between the married couple. So let's use some basic math. Husband makes 100 grand, wife doesn't work, makes zero. The husband can, based on statute, pays her 35,000. Under current law, he can deduct the 35 off his taxes. Okay, she has to pick it up. But under right. the new law, it's basically giving her post-tax money. So then the 35% probably isn't reasonable if she gets to get it tax-free and he doesn't get to deduct it. But that's the formula that the state of Massachusetts uses, and all these states have sort of their own little guidelines. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, so the, the running joke is for the divorce cases um, that I deal with is I try to tell the spouse who's recipient of the alimony, you may want to push this off till 17 and just deal with them. Yeah, if you could live for one more year, you can maybe get that money tax-free. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Of course, on the flip side, if you can't stand it anymore and you're the one that's going to be paying, you might want to get that done this year coming up. This might exactly, not be something you Exactly, while you can still get on. the deduction. It just depends on whose side I'm on at the moment. That's right. And God knows we could change sides. <laughs> so, um, you know, one other thing that kept coming up was the ability to save assets in an account where you don't have to pay tax. So 529 plan, a mm-hmm. fairly underutilized planning tool grows the money tax-free, used to be for college only, but they've expanded that to allow people to use it for all kinds of education. And um, and so this is a real win for people, especially in a higher bracket because interest and dividends come flowing through on their tax return, or they could maybe use a 529 plan. Want to talk a little bit about that? Exactly. So the, the new regulations, are, well, obviously the old regulations are you can use the 529 plan for higher education. Put your money in, gross tax deferred. You use it for the higher education. It's tax-free. Now they've expanded it to all education. So if you want to send your kid to a private school, you can use up to $10,000 per year, and you get that as a tax-free withdrawal. You can, in, here's another thing, KT. Even for homeschooling. Really? Yes, for buying like supplies for homeschooling, you can use... 529 money. Wow, that just opens up the door to a whole group of people that have exactly. never been able to take advantage of any of that. Exactly. And so that that's another nice little perk there. Nice. So so there's a lot there's a lot in this tax bill for for people of a, you know, people that are making a, a higher income. My my biggest thing that I hear from individuals, well, my higher earners anyways, too, their biggest concern has been this, um, not only, obviously, the real estate taxes we've touched on, is that mortgage interest. 
I will say this. The, the, if you currently have a mortgage, okay, let's say you have a million-dollar mortgage. You can deduct the interest on that. You are grandfathered in. You can still deduct the interest going forward. If two years down the road, you... However, one of the things I found out, George, was that home equity line of credit interest is no longer deductible. Yes and no. Okay, now I'll explain that. But go back to your million for one second. If I refinance that two years down the road and I just refinance the existing mortgage, I can still take the interest deduction on the million mortgage. Okay. I don't lose it. But now the home in, home equity line, here's what we you know found out. The million dollars, let's go back to existing law. The million dollars, okay, to get the deduction, that has to be for acquisition of improvements you know, to your primary residence and second home. Right. They would allow you to deduct the interest on a home equity line of credit of up to 100000 for whatever purpose you used it for. Right. They did away with that. But if you use home equity, okay, for improvements to your house or the acquisition of your house, it can still be deductible if it falls within that 750 guideline. So people that have a home equity line of credit, let me just flip this back and you tell me if this is true. People that have, let's say, a couple hundred thousand dollars on their home equity line of credit because they used it for a renovation on their home, they'll still be able to deduct that interest. But let's say they have 200,000 on their home, let's, let's say it's not 200, let's say it's $50,000 in their home equity line of credit. They paid off their car and a bunch of credit cards and they put it on their home equity that interest is no longer going to be deductible. Correct. Correct. How is the IRS going to know who spent that money on what? It's been the same thing going forward. Okay. If I, you know, I, I see it all the time. I, you know, people have a $200,000 home equity. Okay. They just give me the interest statement. A lot of times I'm not even sure what this was utilized for. Am I deducting the interest on that 200? Yes. Okay. Do I always check with them to see what it was utilized for? No. Has it ever been questioned? No. Right. But before, 100000 of it could have been for anything. So the reality is I always find that people with home equity loans, they don't tend to be like, they don't tend to be hundreds and thousands of dollars. They tend to be $100,000 or $50,000 or $200,000. But people don't tend to keep big home equity balances. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the smaller ones you know, that money's pretty muddy. And I think the 100000 jumping in was because the government knew it could never figure it out. Well, that, I think that's true with a lot of things that they put into play. Case in point, we were talking about the real estate taxes, people prepaying them, and you had to prepay it from an actual bill, not an estimate. Again, how are they going to know? Right. You know, again, like anything, you only know if you end up getting audited. Right. So, you know, GTA is one of those slang chops that, you know, we, we flip around, which is called good till audit, which means you mm -hmm. might get away with it. But if you get audited on it, you can probably expect that you won't get away with it. There's not Correct. really a way for them to check it. But when the day's done, if they do audit you for any reason and they find this, they will use this and anything else they find against you. Um, so you want to be careful about that because you might be on the wrong side of that role. The only time I've seen any audit with regard to the the you know home mortgage interest, usually when there's a substantially large number as an interest deduction, it triggers an audit because then they want to confirm that the um, the taxpayer didn't deduct interest on over the million dollars, and that'll probably be the same going forward just to make sure that they're not deducting interest over the seven fifty. 
But I've never seen, even during those types of audits, the question wasn't raised on the home equity line as to what it was utilized for. Hmm. So this always leads me, I, you know, I like to refer a little bit back to the book that I've recently, which I've recently written, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money. One of the things I talk about in the book is this idea of false confidence, which is deciding that you know it and you don't have to investigate it. So when I think about mm-hmm. all those people running around trying to make tax payments for bills that weren't yet due, hoping that they were going to be able to write them off, and they were sure they were going to be able to write them off, this is a this is a concept of false confidence because the reality is some of those people will not be able to take those deductions in 17 because the bill wasn't due yet. Exactly. Here's another thing that happened. I found out through a colleague of mine, one of his clients, without utilizing the call, my colleague, went out and revoked his S status to become a C corporation for the 21%. <laughs> so you can only change your corporate status so many times, right? This is like a bad thing to just decide to go do, right? Yeah, because then you're stuck with it for five years. So this is a five-year mistake, people. If you're thinking about changing the tax status of your business from a S corp to a C corp, which of course, you know, that was all the buzz, you want to slow down because if you're wrong, you're wrong for five years. That's a long time to be wrong. And I guarantee they're wrong. Perfect. We have it right here from our own CPA, George Ferullo. George, thanks so much for joining us today. Tell people how to reach you if they have questions. Oh, yes. Um, Reach me by email at george at georgeferullocpa.com. Ferullo spelled F-E-R-U-L-L-O. Call the office directly at 978-817-2178. We're located at 100 Corporate Place in Peabody, Mass., right off of Route 1. Nice. So I'll ask you, listeners, do you know somebody that you think could benefit from a little bite-sized information once or twice a week to help them get better with their money? If so, recommend this podcast. My plans are to issue two podcasts a week, one sort of in the quick tip idea, something that you might be able to make money with right away. And then the other one, an interview like the one we just had with George Frulo, where we dive a little deeper on these tax law changes and how you might use them. You can subscribe through iTunes or on the links of the show notes. And that way you'll get my updates as they happen. Wishing you more money to have and more money to keep and spend for yourself until we speak again. This is KT Thomas at KT Money Matters. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.